the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1, it says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you should abound more and more. You notice he said there how that we ought to please God. You know, you can please God, but you can also displease God. So it says, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from foreign occasion, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of consistency, even as the Gentiles which not know God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because the Lord is the avenger of such, as we also forewarned you and testified. God had not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. Remember, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Be ye holy, even as I am holy. Now, in verse 8, it says, He therefore despiseth, despiseth not man, Okay, but God, who has given unto us his Holy Spirit. God has not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. That's the Christian life, okay? That ain't the way the world is. That's the way we are. We're holy. And he that has a problem with it, he don't have a problem with man he has a problem with God because God's given us his Holy Spirit. So if you would, Thirsty, I want you to put up there Romans 12 and verse 1. In Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And it says, don't be conformed to this world. We're going to talk some about that tonight. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in the perfect will of God. Okay? To me, that's the only way it works. Thirsty, if you would, I got in here. So go to the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter and 18th verse. I got it in my notes, so we'll see what it is. The Gospel of John 15 and 18. 
Well, I'll just read verse 16 right now and then I'll move on. It says, You have not chosen me, but I'm chosen you, and ordained you that you should go forth and bring go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Put up there first, John. Um Thirsty, if you would, second chapter in the 15th verse. Remember, he's called us unto holiness. First John 2 and verse 15. It says this. Remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to us. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but notice, it is of the world. It's not supposed to be of the church because it is of the world. But that last part that he put in there, and he says, of the pride of life. I won't give you many things, but I'll just give you two things about pride, okay? It's an unseen force that you can't see, but it's always operating against you. I'll give you two small characteristics about human pride. It knows everything. You can't tell it anything. It knows everything. The second thing is it gets offended at anything. You look at them wrong, you say something wrong, and they're offended. That's two small characteristics about human pride. Now, thirsty if you would. No, I'm not even going to go there. I want to go to James 4 and 4. James 4 and 4. We're still talking about that he's called us unto holiness. He's called us unto separation. So in James 4 and verse 4, it says this, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is into me with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, he is the enemy of God. So you have to make a choice in your life. You're going to either separate yourself from the world and you're going to love God or you're going to be somewhere else that you don't want to be. You don't want to be in the middle. So if you're going to be hot for God, you're going to have to do it his way. You can't do it your way. You see, human pride always wants to do it their way and they always come to find out it never works. The only thing that ever works is God's way. And as long as you're following his way, and we'll get into that, You'll never fail. You'll never fall. And it says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain that the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisted the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Okay? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if the devil's bothering you, 
What you need to do is you need to submit yourselves, therefore, to God, humble yourselves under his mighty hand, resist the devil, take authority over him in Jesus' name, and goodbye. He's gone. It says, this, this is so simple. Why people don't get it, I don't know. People say, well, where's God? I don't feel him. I don't see him. He says, you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In verse 10, it's not good to be double-minded. Because in James, he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And let him know he won't receive anything from the Lord. That's what it says. In verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. It's so good to be free. It's so good to live free. First Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So see, you're coming out of something, and you're going into something. You're leaving the old world. You're leaving the past. You're coming out of that bondage, that darkness, and you're coming on over into that marvelous light of his glory and of his grace. And it says, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, not, which had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. I, dearly beloved, I beseech you as st strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul, which war against your mind. Remember, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hey, them fiery darts are going to come to everybody, but you don't have to let them stay. They're going to come. But say, no, 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 I don't accept that in Jesus' name. See, they're going to come. Sometimes they come, bam, one after another, one after another. But you can't let them stay. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, according as his divine power had given us unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and to virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Have you ever noticed the corruption that's in the world through lust? It says, and besides 
this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All those things that he named. First, he said, escaping the corruption that's in the world through lust. In other words, we're going to talk about that, about separation. Okay? That was one of the first things I learned two weeks after I was saved about separation. And we'll talk about that. You have to separate. And then you do the things that we just got done reading in those verses. And it says, if you do these things... You'll never be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. In other words, I've been washed in the blood. All my sins, all my past is gone. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Go to Ephesians, the second chapter in the first verse. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. It says, As he and he and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was me. Where in times past you walked according to court according to the course of this world. That was me. According to the prince of the power of the air. That was me. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So he's raised us up out of darkness into light. He's raised us up together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you would, Thirsty, while we're in the book of Ephesians, go to the 5th chapter and the 8th verse. I'll tell you what, before you go to the 5th chapter and 8th verse, go to the 4th chapter and the 22nd verse. Ephesians 4 and verse 22. It says this, that you put off concern in the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So it tells us to put off the old man. He's corrupt. <laughs> He's no good. And put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
So see, I got, I got, I got a choice every day, every day. I get up in the morning. I'm either going to follow that old man or I'm going to follow that new man. So when I get up in the morning, I make a decision that this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. And I'm going to be filled with the Spirit regardless of any circumstances or anything else. It don't make no difference. I'm going to be filled with Spirit and I'm going to walk after that new man. Because I'm going to tell you that old man is nasty. He's nasty. You let that old man out, he's nasty. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, I keep under my body. The reason he kept under his body, the reason he kept that old man under, because if he let that old man up, that old man would give him trouble. But he said, I keep under my body. And he said, I bring it into subjection to my spirit. You see, I'm a spirit being. I'm a, the real me is a spirit. That's who I am. I'm a spirit. I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. I live in a physical body. But when my spirit and my soul come in agreement, the old man, the flesh, he can't rule and reign. <laughs> he, ain't got a he, he ain't got a choice. See, he's got to come under. So it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. It says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sin go down upon your wrath. And it says, neither give place to the devil. That's up to us. You can give place to him, or you don't have to. Remember before it says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. It says, give him no place. It said, let him the stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give that him that needeth. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the um, hero, hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, while we're in the book of Ephesians, thirsty, go over to 5 and verse 8. Five and verse eight says, "For you were sometimes darkness, were past tense, but now present tense, you are light in the Lord." Okay, it's simple. You got light, you got darkness. Which one are you going to choose? It says, "Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and righteousness and truth." Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. It says, see that you walk circumspectively, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, the best thing for you to do to understand what the will of the Lord is for in your life. 
It says, don't be unwise, but understanding what is the will of the Lord for your life. Step by step, okay? Day by day. You're going to start somewhere. If you haven't started yet, go ask the pastor to help you find the will of God, and he'll help you. That's what he's here for. It says... For the fruit of the Spirit is in, is in all goodness, righteousness, and, and truth. Okay, I've already read that. Uh, okay. I'm, okay, thank you there, uh, Miss Donna. I was looking over at the other chapter. And it says, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, and here's one thing that's the will of the Lord. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. God wants you filled with the Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. It says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay? The person that's filled with the Spirit is not grumbling and complaining and nagging and gossiping. They're speaking to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody unto their heart to the Lord. And they're always thankful. It says, giving thanks always for all, all things unto the God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always, always be thankful. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't know of anything that a Christian's got to be unthankful for. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. Hmm. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, it says this. It says... Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion had light with darkness? What concord had Christ with the devil? Or what part he that, that what part had he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them. And separate yourself, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Seven and one. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In verse 17, he said, Wherefore, come out from among them. In other words, he says, and be separate. He's talking about coming out from among the world of the ungodly and separate yourself. You know, when I was saved in 1979, about two weeks after I was saved, I went to the preacher and I said, Preacher, I've quit doing everything I know to quit doing. I don't know anything else. I said, what do I do now? He said, 
if you knew all what I was doing, that was pretty good. And I says, okay, what do I do now? He said, separate yourself. But he, I didn't, I'm saved two weeks. You believe I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know no scriptures. I just now started reading the Bible. I didn't know anything. He said, separate yourself. But he didn't tell me what he meant. So, but guess what? I'm saved now. I've got the Holy Spirit that leads me and guides me in all truth. And he's going to tell me what it means to separate yourself. So as I would read the word, the Holy Spirit would minister to me. And then I knew what he was talking about. I wasn't going back to the world. I wasn't going back around my family. I wasn't going back around my friends. Anybody that was living according to the course of this world and living ungodly, I wasn't going back. So I separated myself. And so the time came when I got stronger in the things of God. I, I started growing in the spirit. And I started renewing my mind with the word of God not being conformed to this world. And as the Word of God started getting my heart and I started getting stronger spiritually, then he said, go see so-and-so. Then go see so-and-so. Then go see your daddy. See? But he called me to separate myself. I hear people say, well, Jesus was friend of sinners. Well, see, that's what the Pharisees and the religious people called him. Because he was. Because the reason he, he, he was is he, didn't come to, he came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come after those that think they're righteous. He came to seek and save the lost. So the only way you can win them, the only way you can witness to them, you have to get around them. But you don't go to their parties and hang around. You know, Joe came to the jail about a week ago, and he really blessed me. You know, it was on a Sunday night, and he says, he said, Brother Tom, he said, I really believe that, you know, the Lord's put on my heart to go see my uncle. I ain't seen him in a long time. And he says, so we loaded up, me and the wife and little Joe, we went over there. You know, we're just going to visit with him. We're just going to... um uh you know, take them out to lunch or something. Just be nice, you know. They pull up in the driveway. They get out of their car, you know. And he's standing there. I may not tell it exactly right, but I'll get close. And he's standing there. He looks at his phone. And he stares at him. For about 10 seconds, Joe says. He stares at him. And he said, the best thing you can do is get your so-and-so out of here. You see, Jesus says... The world hated me. And he never sinned, neither was a, a lie, neither was guile, guile found in his mouth. They hated him without a cause. And he said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Put up there Titus 32 and verse 11. Every Christian, every person that's born again should know this. Titus 2, verse 11. 
It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It didn't say in heaven. It said in this present world. You see, because God's word is perfect. His word's perfect and just. He always gives us the right way to do things. But unfortunately, sometimes people think their way will work. But God's got your best interest in mind. And you can find your freedom, your help, all the truth you need right here in the Word of God. It says, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. I tell you what, I've got enough time to do it. I'm going to go over to the book of Revelations, the first chapter. First chapter of the book of Revelations, thirsty. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and guess what? Is to come. I'm going to skip through it. I want to cover first, second, and third chapter, so I'm just going to. Uh, go with the first verse, first, first chapter, first verse. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things, was much shortly come to pass, and he sent, he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of the things that he saw. Notice verse 3. Blessed is the man that readeth, and that heareth the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So it says, blessed is the man that readeth, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. We know one thing, time's a lot shorter than it was, and the time is at a hand. Verse 10, thirsty. This is John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. And it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Remember that word, as of a trumpet, because we're going we're gonna to see it again. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first, the last, what thou seest, write in a book and send unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Okay? Ephesus, Smyrna, per Pergamus, unto the Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And he says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of them, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about his path with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white as snow, white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet unto fine brass, as as they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. 
and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and the death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall, shall be hereafter. So he had a, a visitation. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave John this to give to the churches. So we're going to look in the second chapter in the first verse. And when it says this, it's going to say unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. But what he's speaking to is, is he's speaking to the pastors of the churches. Just like he's speaking to the pastors of the churches today. And this letter is written to the pastor of all the churches. Because the pastor is the one that's over the sheep, and he's the one that's going to be feeding you. So it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write out these things, say he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He said, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And has tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and not fainted. He said, Nevertheless, I got something against you. You left your first love. He said, Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly and remove the candlestick out of your place, except you repent. So what's happened when, you, when you, you lose your first love? Well, you start sliding, okay? And before you know it, you're not doing what you did before. You're not loving like you used to love. You're not doing what you're called to do anymore. You're just tiddling around. You've left your first love. But he said, remember from where you've fallen and repent. He said, come on back. Let's um, go on. He's speaking to uh, uh, seven churches. I'm going to go on to uh, the 14th verse. It says in the 14th verse, But I have a few things against you because you hast them that hold the doctrine of Balaam and taught Balak to cast a stumbling stoke before a stumbling block before the children of Israel, Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that had the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto you quickly and fight with the sword of my mouth. You know, somehow today people don't take God serious. They think somehow, some way, that He's just joking. That I can just basically do anything I want, and when it's all over, He's going to say, I understand. But He ain't. It says, 
It says, man, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if there's an I or a the or whatever God says, that's what you live by. I don't take God as joking. His word is very serious. And when he appeared to John in the Isle of Patmos and John saw him, John didn't jump up and start dancing. He fell to the ground as dead. You ever been driving down the road and the sun is like it's fixing to set and you're looking straight at it and it blinds you, you can't even see it? It, it, it almost blinds you? Well, when he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, it was stronger than that. And he fell to the ground as dead. People sing songs, I want to see your glory, I want to see your face. I just wonder. I just wonder. Just a thought. Repent, or else I'll come unto you quickly and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Now I want to go down to verse 20, still in second chapter. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffers that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed on idols. Notice he says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, but she repented not. You notice God always gives you a space to repent. He always does. He'll always give you a space to repent. I don't know how long that space will be. God only knows. But he'll give you a space to repent. He said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication. She repented not. And he said, Behold, I will cast her into bed, and them that commit adultery with her in the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Notice seven times in two chapters, He's speaking to the church. In two chapters, he tells them seven times to repent, and seven times he says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now I want to go to chapter 3 and verse 1. In 3 and verse 1, it says, Unto the angel, or let's say that unto the uh, pastor of the church in Sardis, Write I these things, saith he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen those things with, which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. I want to say something. You notice all through the scriptures, you can't exclude anything. You can't say this is true and that's not true and I don't believe that. I can't accept that. All through the scriptures, he was always teaching his church to watch and to pray and to be ready. Always. Be sober. Okay. Be filled with the Spirit. Be alert. I want to go down to the 15th verse of chapter 3. It says, I know the works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot because you're lukewarm. You're not cold or hot. I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, what does the lukewarm do? They're the ones who causes all the problems. They're not cold. They're not hot. They're lukewarm. He says... I'll spew you out of my mouth. 
He says, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know it's not that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, I console thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eyes have that you may see. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He, he said, be zealous therefore and repent. Now we see in verse 20, and I've heard people use this before to get sinners to come to Christ, but he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. The book of Revelation, well, all the Bible was written to the church, but in the second and third chapter of the book of Revelations, the letter that John got from the Lord Jesus Christ, the words were for the church. So we're speaking to the church. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. Okay, what happened here? They threw him out. They threw the Lord Jesus Christ out of the church. And that's why he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, he that have ears to hear, let him hear. He said, open the door. And he said, I will come in. I will sup with you and you with me. He said, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in the throne, even as I overcame and sat with, uh, down with my father in his throne. He that have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. I'm going to go to verse chapter uh, 4 and verse 1. Here's what I'm going to say. After I looked, this is John, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the voice which I heard was, that of a trumpet. Remember when we first started? I said, remember that word trumpet? I heard as it was of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show you these things which must come hereafter. After what? After the rapture of the church. Now, a lot of people, a lot of preachers don't believe in the rapture of church, and that's fine. I don't care. Let me just tell you this. I don't believe the rapture is going to be like a lot of people think it is. I hear preachers say, yeah, there's going to be a rapture and the whole church is going to be taken off the face of the earth. Everybody that's ever named the name of Christ is going to go in a rapture. I don't believe that. Because he says here that he'll spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. And if you'll go to the gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, and read the first 10 or 12 verses, you'll see there there was 10 virgins. And five was wise and five was foolish. Remember, they was all the same. They was all virgins. They was all Christians. Five were wise, five were foolish. The five that were foolish got left behind. Why did they get left behind? Because they got lukewarm. They got too close to the world. They let their lamps go out. And when the cry was made, they all heard the cry. But only those that were sober, only those that were waiting, only those that were ready, only those that were abiding in him went. So let me just tell you this. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm just saying that's what I believe. Because it's impossible for God to lie. He's not going to tell you to be ready, to live soberly, to walk with Him, to live with Him, to separate yourself, to live holy, if it don't matter. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, anyways, John is gone. He's, he's, he's in heaven. And he said, I'll show you the things that must happen after. After the church is gone. And you'll notice after the second, first, second, and third chapter of the book of Revelations in 4.1, you never hear him talk to the church again. Why? Because the tribulation period done started. But I won't be here. <laughs> I won't be here. 
This place ain't my home. The Apostle Paul said, yes, we're in the world. We're not of the world. I'm here. But I'm here because I have a purpose for the kingdom of God. To do His work here on this earth. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.